let's go ahead and, and get into that word today. Something that I've had in my heart for a while and was just kind of waiting for the right opportunity, and I believe that this is the right time to uh, uh, bring this particular uh, message. I want to talk to you about new covenant sacrifices. New covenant sacrifices. Of course, uh, many of you are familiar with the fact that you're, in your Bible, you've got your Old Testament and your New Testament. Well, you could very easily call it Old Covenant and New Covenant, uh, you know, uh, and, and because that's, that's what it is. The Old Testament, the New Testament, Old Covenant, New Covenant really can be used interchangeably. But uh, we, we know that there's uh, sacrifices that were offered up during the, the time of the Old Covenant. But what about here during the time of the New Covenant? Now, this one thing we know that there, there's one sacrifice that's already been taken care of that we needed to have done on our behalf because we couldn't do anything about it. The sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ to redeem us from our sins is the one that has already been done once and for all and has taken care of us. And thank God that by that sacrifice and by the shedding of his blood, we can stand here clean and pure before God this very day. So when I'm talking about the sacrifices of the new covenant, I'm not talking about the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because uh, the, the, that, that was one and done. Once and for all, it was done. And, and it is effective enough to, to cover all of humanity and uh, all of mankind, and uh, it's, there's power in the blood. What can I say? There is wonder-working power in the blood, like the song says. So when I'm talking about sacrifices, I'm not talking about the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, but I'm talking about things that the Lord would require of us that we see in the new covenant that are sacrifices that we here as new covenant believers can present and offer to the Lord today. Uh, you, you might say, well, uh, weren't the priests the only ones that were allowed to make sacrifices? And to you, I will say, well, don't you know that you are a priest? You know, the scripture says in Re Revelation chapter 1 that Jesus loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And that he's made us kings and priests to his God and Father. We also see in the book of Revelation chapter 5. The, the, the multitude in heaven who said this, that, that they, they were singing to the lamb and said, you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God. So if your question was, don't you have to be a priest to be able to offer a sacrifice? And my answer to you is whether you realize it or not, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're redeemed, if you're washed in the blood, you are a king and a priest. Hallelujah. Why don't you open your Bibles today to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. That's going to be a good starting point for what we want to hit today. And so we're understanding this, that... Uh, you are kings and priests unto God. And what we're going to see is that there's, there's a call upon those who, who are priests 
to be able to offer sacrifices. But then in this uh, segment here, we're, we're looking to cover six particular sacrifices that the New Testament talks about. And our goal is to hit three of them today and to hit three of them two weeks from today on November 4th. Praise the Lord. First Peter chapter 2. Let's take a look, first of all, at verse 9. Look at verse 9 first. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. By that term, royal priesthood, I think you see that the same idea that was coming across in those verses I mentioned to you out of the book of Revelation. Because in Revelation, you see that we were called to be kings and priests. And here you see royal priesthood. Royal, the the king's side, priesthood, the priest side, obviously. So we see yet again in this verse, the idea of being a king and a priest by, by this saying that we're called to be a chosen generation and a royal priesthood. Same chapter, 1 Peter 2. You don't even have to flip a page, but look at verse 5. It says, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Once again, these sacrifices are not sacrifices or offerings for sin, but yet there are sacrifices that we as new covenant believers are called upon to present to the Lord, to offer up to the Lord. Spiritual sacrifices that are intended to be acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we see some key words there. First of all, we see the word priesthood, reminding us that we are a holy priesthood. We see the word offer. That means we're offering, we're presenting something to him. What is that? Spiritual sacrifices. Spiritual sacrifices. And then the next word, it says acceptable. So the things that we're offering to the Lord are intended to be things not that God is displeased with, but things that are acceptable in his sight, things that that God is pleased with, things that God desires to have from us. So we see those key words that we're a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Why don't you go ahead over to Ephesians 5. So if we're priests and we're supposed to offer up spiritual sacrifices, we should want to find out what these sacrifices are that we're being called on to offer. And then besides that, we should have an interest in what is acceptable to the Lord because the whole idea of us as a priesthood offering up these sacrifices is so that we're doing this in a way that is acceptable to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to pay attention and have an interest in what's acceptable to God and what is not acceptable to God. 
if we're going to fulfill our position as a new covenant priest in the, in the right way, we need to have that interest. Ephesians 5, are you there? Take a look at verse 6. It says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Now, how many of you would say, I'm on a mission to find out what's acceptable to the Lord? Well, if you want to find out what's acceptable, then let me point to the book where you can learn that. This book, the Holy Bible, is where you can find out what is acceptable to the Lord and and the the, the sacrifices that he's looking for. Because uh, let, let me tell you this. There are people that, that, that perform acts of what you would call uh, acts of sacrifice or things that seem to be sacrificial that aren't acceptable to the Lord. There's people with good hearts and good intentions that crawl on broken glass. There are people in the world that when Good Friday comes around, they crucify themselves. Think about that. Why is that not acceptable to the Lord? Because that is, even though it's a sacrifice, it's literally making a statement to the Lord that, yeah, I know you shed your blood for me, but that's not enough. I need to do something to myself for what I've done. I need to take payment myself for what I've done rather than receiving the wonderful gift that it was Jesus who did the time for our crime. So even though you might call that an act of sacrifice, that's not a sacrifice that's acceptable to God because the shedding of your blood does nothing, but the shedding of his blood did everything. Oh, come on. So yes, there can be a sacrifice that is not acceptable to the Lord. So that's why we get into the word so we can find out what is acceptable to the Lord. As a matter of fact, let me read this to you. You can write down this reference if you like. It's Hebrews 12, 28 through 29. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. What an awesome thing to think that God wants to give us grace and that by that grace, we can serve him acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So, now that we've laid that little bit of a foundation, we're going to get into the first three of these acceptable sacrifices that the scripture uh, teaches us that the Lord's looking for. Go in your Bibles to Romans 12. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 12. Oh, yeah. 
And you, you know what's interesting as we go along, we're going to see that for every one of the sacrifices that we're called upon to offer, there's a reward for everyone. Hallelujah. There's a reward for everyone. Romans 12 verse 1 says this, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So first of, thing, first of all, then the, the first thing on the list, we need to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. Present ourselves as a living sacrifice. One of the first things we're going to hit here is the idea of presenting your body as a living sacrifice. And you understand you're a three-part being. You are spirit, soul, and body. And you, the scripture says here in Romans 12, 1, that, that you present your body as a living sacrifice. Well, then, who's the you that's presenting your body? Well, that's why you need to understand that you're a three-part being because it's you, the spirit man, that's making a decision to present your body who is living temporarily because the spirit is eternal. So, so the eternal part of you is taking the temporary part of you. The part of you that lives forever is taking the part of you that only lives for a little while and presenting it to God as a living sacrifice. Now, uh, the New American Standard Bible, at the end of that verse where it says, I'll, I'll read it to you again, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Another rendering of that, the New American Standard Bible says, which is your spiritual service of worship. So you think about this, that when you present your body, not as a dead sacrifice, but as a living sacrifice to God, that's literally an act of worship that you are participating in. That when you, the spirit man, the real you, the part of you that lives forever, the spirit makes a decision that I'm going to present this body holy and acceptable to God. That that is an act of worship. It, it's your service, your, your spiritual service, your spiritual act of worship, you might say. And your body is the living sacrifice that is being presented to the Lord. Now, think about this. In the New King James and also in the King James, it uses the term uh, reasonable service. In some cases, it is actually translated as what's rational or the intelligent thing to do. Uh, my translation of it is that this is a no-brainer. It's the reasonable service. It's the reasonable thing to do. It's the rational thing to do. It's like, well, what else do you think you should be doing? But to take your body, which wants to go its own way and do its own thing and uh, be with whoever it wants to be with and talk however it wants to talk and, and, and look at whatever it wants to look at and listen to whatever it wants to listen to and say, body, you're not allowed to just be out of control anymore. But I am taking you and I present you as a living sacrifice 
to God. Holy and what's that word again? Acceptable. Oh, 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 there's that word again. All right. Now, what else does the Bible say about this? Why don't you go to 1 Corinthians? 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Right now, we're getting started by talking about the presentation of our bodies, but along with that, the uh, it's not just your bodies you're presenting to the Lord. It's all of you you're presenting to the Lord. But we're starting by focusing in on your body. 1 Corinthians 6. Right after Romans is 1 Corinthians. Shouldn't it take long to get to? 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The second part of verse 13 says this. It says, now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. So here it's literally talking about the purpose for your body. And that your body is it's not for you. And it's not for somebody else. Your body is for the Lord. As far as the very purpose and the, the very direction that, that, that the purpose of your body, the purpose of your being here, living and breathing and functioning, what's that for? Is it so you can do whatever you want to do? Or is it so somebody else can do whatever they want to do with you? Or is it so you can offer yourself to the Lord? Come on. The Bible says that the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And so I just say very simply, if you need to make an adjustment, now's a good time to make an adjustment. And use your body for the purpose for which it was intended. For the Lord. For anything that pleases the Lord. Anything that gives the Lord glory. Anything that honors the Lord. As a matter of fact, look later on in the chapter, chapter 6, right there in the same chapter, 19 and 20. What? Don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost, which you have of God and you are not your own? Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So there, once again, God is, is laying a claim. That, that is not just your spirit that I'm interested in, but I'm interested in your spirit, your soul, and your body. And that when you're his, that as far as God's concerned, you are his in every sense of the word, including your body. So it makes, that's why it makes good sense. That's why it's a no-brainer for us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to him. Because we're just giving to him what he's already paid a price to purchase. And you know, I'm, you know, oh Lord, you know we live in an age where you hear that same old mantra, well, this is my body, I can do with my body as I please. Fooey. You can do whatever you want to do with your body. What about this? My, my, my. Got to believe the word, amen? amen? Of course, you know, the people that say that, 
You, you, you know, you know uh, I, I, the, they say that to justify bad behavior, whether they want to admit it or not. All right, moving right along. Before I get somebody mad, but if you get mad, that's all right. You can forgive me. First Corinthians chapter 9. Glory to God. First Corinthians chapter 9. Now look at verse 27, the last verse of chapter 9. It says, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. So who's the I there? It says, I discipline my body. You would think, well, well isn't my body me? But here, it's talking about an I who's doing something to my body. Well, who is that? Once again, it's the spirit of man. It's the spirit of man who is exercising discipline over the body. It's the spirit of man who's saying, somebody's got to call the shots here, and it's going to be me. It's going to be me calling the shots because I'm the part that got born again. I'm the part with eternal life. I'm the part with the nature of God. See, our bodies haven't got saved yet. Did you notice? Oh, Lordy. Lordy, Lordy. I think some people have noticed that your bodies aren't saved yet. But your spirit's saved. Your spirit's got the life and the nature of God in there. So therefore, your spirit, that part of you, the real you, the eternal part of you, is calling the shots and saying, hey, body, we ain't going to be doing what you want to do and how you want to do it. As a matter of fact, we're going to call the shots. And rather than me having to bow down in submission to you, you're going to have to bow down in submission to the nature of God inside of me. We're going to act like God acts. See, that's part of working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Because you got salvation in your spirit, and that's a wonderful thing. But, but you live out here in this world in a natural body. So what you're doing, you're working out. you got something on the inside, but you're working it out on the outside. You're getting that, that gift of eternal life, that nature of God that was planted inside of you when you were born again. You're working it out into the way that you, what you listen to and what you're looking at and where you walk and, and who you're with and what you do with them when you're with them and all that stuff. Amen. You're working it out. All right. So you, the spirit man, the spirit of you is disciplining your body (coughs) and bringing it into subjection. So the first part of presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice, we see we're presenting our bodies to the Lord. But in reality, we're presenting our entire beings to the Lord. Let me read this to you. 2 Corinthians 8, 5, Paul talking about the, the Macedonians. He said that they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us. So they gave themselves to the Lord and they gave themselves to us. You know, the great thing is that when, when you want to serve the Lord and when you're serious about this thing and going all the way, you're not holding back anything. You're not saying, all right, Lord, you can have this, this, and this, and this, but this one's mine. You can't have this part of me. 
Say, Lord, you can have all of me, Lord. You can have any say so about anything, but don't touch that. See, see, these people, it said they gave themselves. They gave themselves completely to the Lord. And Paul said they gave themselves completely to us. Imagine that. That, that a minister would be able to identify people who have not just given themselves to the Lord, but they've given themselves to us. They've given themselves to the work of the Lord. Where that the work of the Lord had a priority. Come on. Now, Paul described his own life just before he was to uh, uh, be martyred. In the last epistle he wrote, the last chapter of the last epistle he wrote, which is 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. That's chapter 4, verse 6 of 2 Timothy. And he said, the time of my departure is at hand. So he looked at his life as though it was just being poured out before God as a, a drink offering. Come on now. That same apostle over in Philippians 2.17 made this statement. He said, yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and the service of your faith, he said, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Literally, he was saying this. If I am being poured out like a drink offering, if I am just being spent and pouring out my lifeblood for the purpose of seeing you come into the faith and serve God faithfully, then I am so glad about it, it's worth it to me. That's literally what he's saying. Why don't you go to Ephesians 5? So we're talking about not just the idea of presenting our bodies, but now we're talking about presenting our whole selves to the Lord. Holding nothing back. Holding nothing back from him and holding nothing back from offering ourselves to the work of the Lord as well. Ephesians 5. Glory be to God. Right in the beginning of that chapter, verse 1 and 2. It says, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. So this is the context. Verse 1, pay attention to that. The context of what we're reading here is in the context of being an imitator of God. Verse 2, it says, And walk in love, as Christ also has loved us, and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Now, I want to tell you this. That because the context of this is in being an imitator of God, then I know that the the giving of himself, that being Jesus in verse 2, and the sacrifice and the offering of himself, he's not talking about that which we cannot imitate. Because in verse 1, the context is clear that he's talking about us being imitators. So he's talking about something that we can't imitate. If we was talking here directly about Jesus offering himself as the sacrifice for sin, we can't imitate that. How many of you know that? You are not the Lamb of God. 
the spotless lamb. He is. That's something we cannot imitate. So, therefore, the context of this is, is telling me that this is something I can imitate. So, and what can I imitate? I can walk in love as Christ loved and gave himself for us. You can give yourself. You can give yourself for others. Come on, somebody. And when you walk in love and give yourself for others as Jesus did, just like Jesus' act was a sweet-smelling aroma, uh, before God, so your act is a sacrifice that presents a sweet-smelling aroma before Almighty God. Can I hear an amen? amen? You can imitate that. You can imitate that. You can walk in love and give yourself for others. Write down this reference, 2 Corinthians 12, 15. 2 Corinthians 12, 15, the Apostle Paul says this, that, that regarding the, the church there, he said that, that I, uh, I am willing to spend and to be spent for you. Even though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Think about that. I am willing to spend and to be spent for you. Even though the, the more abundantly I love you, the less I get loved back. So how many of you are willing to spend and to be spent for others? To allow your life to be poured out for others even when you ain't getting a whole lot back in return. Come on. That's a question to ask ourselves. Because we have been called to present ourselves as a living sacrifice before God. And this, my friends, is part of it. But I'm glad to tell you is that we, even when you don't get the love back that you think you should be getting back or wish you were getting back, I can tell you that there's always a reward. Listen to this, write down this word, Luke 9, 23 and 24. Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. You might think, well, I... I I'm pouring myself out. I'm spending and being spent for others. I'm losing my life. I'm losing time that I otherwise could have had. I'm expending energy that otherwise I could have had for the sake of others. And in some cases, for the sake of others who don't do anything to send me the load back in return. But if you lose your life for his sake, You'll find it. Hallelujah. You'll find it and you'll save your life. Hallelujah. So let's go ahead and move on. Turn to Hebrews 13. 
And we're going to get into uh, the, the next area of new covenant sacrifice. That one was there was for, for us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. And of course, along with that, not just our bodies, but our whole selves as a living sacrifice to the Lord. And also when there was the aspect of not just giving ourselves to the Lord, but also giving ourselves to others. Chapter two, Uh, chapter two, number two, point number two. (laughs) Don't forget to do good. Hebrews 13, 15 and 16 says this. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. All right? So doing good is one of the sacrifices with which God is well pleased. Imagine this. Think of how others are affected. And not just about your rights. Yeah. Think about how others are affected and not just about your own rights. Write down as a reference Romans 14, 15 through 19. Romans 14, 15 through 19. See there, Paul's talking in the, the context of a controversy of the day. And that controversy was uh, re- regarding uh, eating food that's offered or sacrificed to idols. And he said, yeah, uh, you, you as a believer can go ahead and sanctify your food and bless your food and go ahead and enjoy eating it. But, but that there may be a weak brother or sister who may not have the same understanding that you have. And they may see you doing that and start tripping out about it. So are you going to go ahead and just do something because... You have a right to do it? Or is your first concern going to be others and how others may perceive something? So let me just read this to you real quick. You can, you can uh, either uh, uh, listen or, or read if you got it. It's Romans 14, 15 through 19. Paul said, yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you're no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. And you understand that the food concept is that food that was sacrificed to idols, whether to eat it or not. Verse 16 says, therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God. And approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Interesting thing that when it came to you being more interested in how somebody else is affected by something rather than just you and your rights, what the scripture says that he who serves Christ in these things. 
is acceptable to God. Hey, sounds familiar? That terminology about being acceptable to God? By you making that sacrifice to do good and to look out for others instead of just you and your own thing or your own rights? That is acceptable to God. And the the passage goes on to say, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which we may edify or build up one another. Amen. Real clear. Glory to God. You know, Paul talked about his ministry to the Gentiles and how he was offering up the Gentiles and his ministry to them as a sacrifice before the Lord. Romans 15 verse 16, Romans 15, 16, I'll read it to you out of the New American Standard Bible. It says to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest of the gospel of God so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Come on, think about that, somebody. Romans 15, 16, that was in the New American Standard Bible, where Paul was looking at himself as a minister to the Gentiles, that he was ministering as a priest of God, and that he was offering up the Gentiles before the Lord uh, 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 to, to be an acceptable sacrifice, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. What he was saying is that the good that I'm doing, the, the ministry that I'm putting into these people, it's ultimately for the purpose that I can take these for whom I ministered to and just offer them up before the Lord and say, Lord, be pleased. Lord, may this be found acceptable in your sight. The idea of doing good for others. Come on now. Doing good for others. Being offered up to God as an acceptable sacrifice. Sanctified by the Holy Spirit. You know, Acts 10.35, you write that down. Acts 10.35 says this. That in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness, you might say, does good. (laughs) Whoever works righteousness is accepted by him. Glory to God. I mean, Jesus set the example of doing good. Don't you know that? The Bible says in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So Jesus set the example of doing good. And so we, like we read earlier, called to be imitators of God, just go and do the same thing he did and present are doing good to others as an acceptable sacrifice before the Lord. What else does the Bible say about doing good? Of course, Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and do uh, glorify your father in heaven. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, doing good to others. Romans 12, 21 says, 
Don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Galatians 5, verse 9. Don't be weary in well-doing. Actually, I don't know if it's 5, 9, might be 6, 9. Don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season you'll reap if you faint not. The New King James actually says, let us not grow weary while doing good. Come on now. So when you're doing good for others, that, as we read in Hebrews 13 earlier, is one of the sacrifices in which God is well pleased. Now, what's the reward for doing good? What's the reward for it? Go to Ephesians 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Glory be to God. Ephesians 6, starting with verse 5, it says this. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. That's Ephesians 6, 5. With fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Now what's the reward? Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord. Yeah, am I offering a sacrifice? Yeah. But is there a reward for the sacrifice? Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. One more we're going to hit today before we close. We read in Hebrews 13 earlier, and I'll read it to you again. Verse 16 of Hebrews 13 says, do not Forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So number three today, don't forget to share. In other words, give. We're talking about giving. Come on, somebody. Why don't you turn quickly to to Acts chapter 10? That means when you share, when you give of what is yours, that God is well pleased with such a sacrifice. Glory be to God. Acts chapter 10. This is great. And we're going to get through this one and we'll wrap up today. I mean, not this passage, but this particular thought here. Because I do have a few more verses for you, so don't get too excited now. All right. (laughs) Acts chapter 10, let's start reading with verse 1. It says, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms 
generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So the angel said to him, your prayers and your alms, talking about his giving, have come up for a memorial before God. My, my, my. How many of us do the, the punk in the bucket? And you, you, you know, uh, actually, I, I look at it like this. Uh, the, the offering that is softer when it hits the bottom is a better sound than the louder sound. Because, you know, if it's a loud sound, someone just dropped a quarter in there or something. <laughs> or 50 cents. But when it's a softer sound, you know it's paper and paper's better than a coin. Unless it's like a real special coin, you know what I'm saying? But moving right along, the, the, the idea is this, that when you are giving to the Lord and giving of your substance to others as the Lord directs you, you are actually, God's desk is getting stacked up. <laughs> you think you're just filling out an envelope here on earth. Let me tell you, you're filling out an envelope in heaven and God's got them right on his desk. Your prayers and your giving comes up as a memorial before God. What does the Bible say about sharing? Of course, that's, that's the word used here in the King James Version. Of course, we realize it's talking about giving. But Galatians 6, 6 says, let him who's taught in the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Over in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 18 Uh, those who are rich in this present age, Paul gave them a a commandment. He said, let them do good. Let them be rich in good works, ready to give and willing to share. And you might say, well, well, good. I'm off the hook because that command was given to the rich. (laughs) You think you're off the hook. Because you remember Jesus was watching people Give one day. And there was a little old lady. Yeah. Who gave her a little widow's mite in the offering plate. And Jesus said, this woman gave more than everybody else gave. Because everybody else was giving them their extra. Everybody was throwing a 20 or 50 off the roll they keep in their pocket. But she, even though her mouth was so small, she was given everything she had. They were given 1% or a half percent. Oh, Lord, they weren't anywhere close to 10%. Oh, boy, do we dare go there now? Come on. <laughs> but this widow, she gave 100%. Jesus said, she gave, Jesus knew it by the Spirit. This woman gave everything she had. Don't you think heaven takes notice? I'll tell you, heaven takes notice to our giving. Jesus took notice of that lady. The giving of Cornelius obviously affected God so much 
that God made a decision. Yeah, we're getting the gospel to the Gentiles. And you know what? This guy here has impressed me so much that we're going to start it right in his house. We're going to go ahead and make sure that the very first place where the gospel comes to the Gentiles and it becomes clear to the Jewish Christian world at that time that Gentiles can now be saved is going to start right here at the house of a guy who's been sending up prayers to me and sending up gifts that I just can't help but notice. Glory be to God. But there's also the aspect of heart motive that we need to pay attention to. You know, over in Matthew 6, 1 through 4, Jesus was, was talking about doing charitable deeds. But he said, don't do them to be seen by men because if you do that, you have no reward. And if you're, if you're doing it in a way where you're saying, hey, everybody look at me, then that, he, Jesus said, that's all the reward you're going to get. But if you... When you do your charitable deed, he said, do it in a way where your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. He said, let your charitable giving be done in secret. And what did he say? Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. <clears throat> Heart motive. Heart motive. You see that? The motive behind the giving is the real thing that gets the Lord's attention. Not just the giving, but the heart behind it. Don't you know that the Lord said he loves a cheerful giver? Well, you're not giving because you're just... Here we go again. Another week, another $50 into the offering. I'll tell you what, that, that, that's not doing you any good. But when you give out of obedience, but you give with a right heart attitude before God and that gets God's attention in heaven. And what does he want to do? What kind of reward does he want to give? Well, let's wrap this up by going to Philippians 4. That's the last place we're going to look at today. We're going to wrap this baby up right now. Philippians 4. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Philippians 4, and we're going to start reading with verse 14. Are you there? All right, are you not there? All right. <laughs> okay, we're going to go ahead and get started. Verse 14, nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Verse 15, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply 
all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Now, how many of us have skipped down to verse 19 without realizing the context of what's going on here? That this promise of verse 19 is given to the one church that Paul said was uh, uh, sharing with him, that, uh, that, that was sharing uh, in his distress, that shared with him concerning giving and receiving, that sent once and again to his necessity, that sent things to him. Not just, oh, I'll pray for you. But no, he said, Epaphroditus brought to me the things, the things. You know what I'm saying? It's nice to get a prayer, but when you need some things, it's nice when somebody sends some things to you. And that this gift that was sent was a sweet aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And I'll tell you what, you who are givers, you who are givers to the Lord and keep on sending up stuff to the Lord, keep on sending stuff out to the Lord's ministers. You know what happens? (laughs) God starts to smelling something good in the throne room. Something sweet. A sweet aroma. Say, oh, yeah, that that Ron Blaine, he's giving again. And you know what that gets into gear? Verse 19. Because if the Lord was Italian, he'd say it like this. You take care of me, I take care of you. (laughs) And when your giving goes up to heaven and God starts smelling that sweet aroma... And he get, you, you're getting his attention? You know, that's what he's saying. He said, oh, you're taking care of me? I'm taking care of you. Come on, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's pray today. Father, in Jesus' name, we honor you and give you glory. We thank you, Lord, for your sweet spirit. We thank you for your word. And Lord, everything that you're accomplishing in our lives, we're so grateful. And Lord, we pray today for anybody here under the sound of our voice who, who, who may not know you, but needs to know you. Lord, I thank you. This is their day. This is their day.